Today's episode of Crossfire Faith and Gaming is with a special guest host, Brian Swift. I also want to shout out to our Patreon sponsor at the silver level. Uh, that is Lonnie White. So thank you to Lonnie and to all of our Patreon supporters. You can find out more about that all at our website at crossfirepodcast.com. And now without any further ado, here is our show. Today on our talk, we've got uh, news about McLarens, news about VR headsets, news about Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, and Gamescom and what to expect there, and how pop culture influences our actual everyday technology. So stick around after the introduction for that and a whole lot more. This is Reverend David Petty, and I am joined by uh, my co-host for this week. Uh, we've got a special guest as Russ has taken care of some personal stuff. Uh, so our special guest this week, we've got Brian Swift, who joins us from Billings, Montana. And Brian, uh, why don't you just say a little bit about yourself, what angle you're taking on video games and faith? Yeah, so I've been playing video games for a long time since I was a kid, which was forever ago. I'm old. I kind of got started with the NES and... Uh, I've been playing games since then. I love strategy games and so on. That's really my main focus. Anything that doesn't require, uh, you know, like Twitch response are the kind of games that I love. That's partly because, you know, my reflexes aren't as good as they used to be. Um, Faith-wise, you know, I'm also a part of Crossfire. Uh, but uh, yeah, attending a local church here in Billings, which we love. Excellent. That's, that's kind well, of my background. It's great to have you on the podcast, uh, helping me uh, anchor this podcast today. So I'm going to jump right into uh, today's news, but I'm going to let you bring us the first topic about Star Wars. So tell us what's going on with Star Wars. Yeah. So the Knights of the Old Republic remake uh, looks like it's in some trouble. Uh, it looks like they're changing developers, so they're dropping uh, Asper Media, who was working on the game, and it looks like they're going to uh, switch development to Saber Interactive's Eastern European Studios. That's according to this uh, Bloomberg article that, uh, that we're looking at here. Any thoughts, David? Yeah, I mean, from the moment I heard that they were remaking uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, I, I got very excited. Uh, you can look back at our um, our podcast or our live uh, recording that Russ and I did back when they announced the uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic remake. Uh, and especially as a full-on remake, I think there were a lot of people excited about this old game that was very um, meaningful for their lives and a you know, very compelling story and that they were going to remake this whole thing. But then all of the news was like, well, apparently, you know, Disney or or uh, Star Wars folks were not happy with what they saw in the development or were not happy perhaps with how much development was happening uh, or perhaps not happening. And so they yanked it from Aspire Media and said, you know, it's going to go. Uh, at first, it was talked about that it was going to be yanked from Aspire Media. And so everybody was thinking, well, is this like a total refresh or you just like, all right, everybody back to the drawing board. We're going to take three more years to make this thing. Uh, or in this case, it looks like they're going to yank it and give it to a whole other studio. 
uh, with Saber Interactive. So I don't really know enough about Saber Interactive to speak at length about uh, what games have come out of their European studios. Uh, but I just think this is, you know, probably at this point we would just put Knights of the Old Republic in the back of our memories and we'll just wait until we see more. Uh, so sorry, everybody that got excited. You're going to have to wait a little bit more. So next up in the news, um, oh, I was going to say, oh, yeah, this yeah, is, yeah. this Go is a game that I played on the OG Xbox um, and definitely loved this game. I thought at the time that this was one of the most uh, Star Wars feeling Star Wars thing that had come out to that point. Um, I thought that the developer at the time really nailed like the feel of the Star Wars universe. And that was a really fun game to play and just like feel like I was in that universe for the time that I spent with it. Um, so hopefully when they finish this remake, they can really do it justice. Yeah, and there was a lot of talk when they first announced it, how interesting because it was going to be a PlayStation exclusive. So this game that came out as an Xbox exclusive, you know, because of the changing of hands, uh, was now going to be a PlayStation exclusive. But that's only going to be if and when it actually comes out. So... Uh, speaking of Sony and PlayStation, Sony is getting sued for five billion pounds. It looks like this article says, I'm guessing, you know, probably five point something billion dollars. Uh, yeah, five point nine billion dollars says over the price of its online PlayStation store prices. They are claiming that Sony is overcharging consumers and abusing its position as the primary seller of PlayStation games digitally. So I'm just curious, like, how does one go about filing a $6 billion lawsuit against Sony? And, you know, is this one of those they're going to ask for $6 billion and they're going to be really happy when they're able to... Uh, I'm assuming this is a uh, class action lawsuit. So so what? Sony's I would assume gonna, with that big a number, yeah. So he's going to pay out, like, you know, 15 bucks in PlayStation dollars to... <laughs> like, how, how is this going to go down? Uh, you know, do you think... Uh, let me ask two questions for you, Brian. Do you think Sony games are too expensive? Do you think all games are too expensive? And what do you think about this lawsuit? Uh, you know, I'm going to make probably an unpopular argument that games are actually probably not expensive enough, um, at least in terms of if you're going to buy a game once, which is I like to buy games and not pay a little at a time in, you know, extra fees and so on and micro transactions and all that. Um, I'd rather just buy the game and own it. Um, so, you know, my argument is kind of like, you know, I think honestly, games are probably too cheap, um, which again, probably isn't popular, but I, I think the other thing is like games are really going in the subscription direction. And, and so I'm looking forward to, uh, you know, to that playing out, I think that's a better, uh, you know, a better model for certainly for gamers. It's going to be interesting to see if it works out for the companies uh, that are they're trying to pull it off. Yeah, I think and it's also weird in a space where there is definitely not a monopoly here. Like there are plenty of other places to go, plenty of other places to get games. Sony is not the only one making video games. And right. so to say that that because they make games that they are the exclusive owners and distributors of, that they have priced themselves too expensive, that's like me saying Apple is selling iPhones and they're too expensive, and so I'm going to sue them for selling me expensive iPhones. I just don't know how that plays out. Like I don't know if they're if they're hoping 
Um, my guess is they're probably hoping Sony says, look, we'll settle this for a few million dollars. Just go away because it's not worth the bad PR to have Sony's name in the news. But I just I can't imagine this actually settling out. That's just wild. But anyway. yeah, I'm not sure that it'll work. I, I, I suspect that, uh, you know, that this this lawsuit will will fail. Um, it doesn't seem like these sorts of lawsuits don't seem to have played out so far. I know that, uh, you know, there's been some lawsuits over uh, the Apple store and so on. And this kind of exclusivity issue that we have with these walled, walled gardens. So um, I'm not sure that this will go anywhere, but it'll inter- be interesting to see what happens. Yeah. So next up, why don't you bring us that one, Brian? Yeah, next up, I think, is the uh, She-Hulk premiere. Uh, I haven't seen it um, yet, but I think David has. Um, Apparently, it's pretty good. Yeah, so uh, I did see it. It's pretty good. Uh, And I watched it with my family. I got to say, there's some interesting things in there that, uh, you know, there's a discussion about whether or not Captain America is a virgin or not, uh, which, you know, I will say... You know, we, we discussed virginity in uh, terms of, you know, the Virgin Mary in, in church, but, you know, perhaps a little different to discuss Captain America. So, you know, that was the only kind of questionable content in my mind. Um, I thought it did a really good job kind of addressing uh, kind of, you know, anger and how it's viewed from masculine versus feminine perspectives, right? And and kind of culturally how uh, anger is one of the only acceptable emotions that men can show. And yet, uh, if a woman gets angry, it's often thought of like, oh, well, you're just being bossy or you're being, you know, and and that how terrible that is for women. So there's some interesting commentary on that um, kind of. Uh, how they go about it. But overall, I think it was pretty good. Great to see Mark Ruffalo on the screen again as the Hulk, uh, you know, and I'm curious to see where they go with it, especially as a show that is, you know, supposed to be kind of a lawyer show. Um, But they spent the first part of the first episode just kind of explaining how she got to be She-Hulk in the first place. So is this a show you're going to watch, Brian, or what do you think? I think I will watch it. Uh, I've watched all the Marvel stuff on Disney Plus so far, so I don't think I'll make an exception here. Um, but I do have a bit of a backlog that I need to catch up on. I've had kind of a busy summer, so I will get to it eventually. Um, I wanted to touch on the topic uh, in terms of the virginity angle. I know that, you know, within our culture, there's kind of a virginity shaming thing that goes on. And I wondered the tone of, you know, that comment that was made in the show. Do you feel like that, you know, that it was taking that angle? Well, you know, I think there's so... I'm going to give a, a Marvel spoiler alert here for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. If you haven't watched uh, Endgame yet, you know, or I, I don't even know where it is in the series. But anyway, um, she talks about that, you know, that Captain America died. Right. And that it's so sad when she thinks back about it, that through all those years, he was so busy saving the world that he probably never got the chance to be with a woman. Right. Or, you know, to lose his virginity, so to speak. And so she's like, you know, I just think it's tragic that that this happened. And, you know, so they're discussing it in the car with uh, she's discussing it in the car with Mark Ruffalo's character, of course, uh, Bruce Banner. And, you know, then then the whole thing takes the conversation off. Then there's a little after credits scene. And, uh, and I'll just give it away here. But, you know, Bruce Banner basically says, listen, back in 1943 on the USO tour, Etc. 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 And she goes, "Oh my gosh, 
you know, it's true. He's not a virgin. I can't believe it. You know, so I do think there was a, uh, yeah, there's a comment that it would have been a shame to die a virgin. Right. So, I mean, that would be interesting to get like a Catholic perspective on, on chastity. Right. Um, you know, but I'm sure there's a whole other perspective that, uh, depending on where you're at in different churches, you know, on premarital sex or, or any other sorts of things that could come up in, uh, in that conversation, but really such a, a minor side note of the, of the show. So, but it is, it is the period uh, that the show ends on. So, or at least the okay. after credit scene, you'll, you'll have to find, you'll have to watch it and Got tell it. what you think. So uh, speaking of things on TV, uh, I just got a chance to see the first teaser, teaser, teaser of the HBO series The Last of Us based on the game that came out for PlayStation many, many years ago and then got remastered and now is getting remade and uh, it's getting remade at the same time. It's getting made into a TV show. Pedro Pascal and Bella Ramsey uh, are in this. It's also exciting. Uh, Nick Offerman is in this as Bill. Uh, I'm excited. I think Pedro Pascal has been in mostly great movies and shows. Uh, I think Bella Ramsey also. We saw her in... um, the game of thrones way back when my kids also watched this show called uh the worst witch that they really enjoyed uh that she was in she also i understand took kind of a brief break from acting in order to just kind of care for her mental health which i super applaud uh so i think you know the fact that she's in here as ellie for the last of us is very exciting and then nick offerman as bill um so i'm really excited about that i'm i'm excited to see where they go with it i'm excited for more people to experience that story obviously not a kid-friendly story so uh parents beware it is uh, definitely going to be rated tvma and yet at the same time i would say if you're old enough to watch it it has some amazing um character moments and it's got such a good compelling story and so much heart to it that uh, don't let the zombies infected by fungus uh, take you away from it because there's so much heart in this story that I hope that they're able to communicate through the uh, HBO series so what what do you think Brian is this a show you're going to watch are you going to care about are you going to wait until you get a PlayStation and go play the first game what do you think yeah so for me like uh you know, I don't tend to watch a lot of super violent content. I'll have to like kind of play this by ear, but um but I do think based on the games and the critical response from, you know, The Last of Us that we've seen so far that uh this source material is super rich. Um and I think, you know, really serves should serve as as a great basis to to kick off from and create you know, new content created, you know, a show that uh, I think has a chance to be really critically acclaimed as well. And, um, you know, hopefully for the fans of that series, they really do it justice because certainly the games are are beloved. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, I really hope so. Uh, You know, uh, given the uh, length that Russ and I have talked on our show about uh, how bad movie adaptations have been of uh, games. You know, I think TV, maybe with the episodic and, and much longer length, you know, you've got a game that usually is 20 to 40 hours worth of game content. And it, maybe in that 40 hours, you do have 10 hours worth of, um, of dialogue and what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, story, think- right? You've got 10 hours worth of story. 
Um, so I think that, that episodic television makes a lot more sense than like trying to cram 40 hours worth of gameplay into an hour and 30 minute movie. But, you know, I really hope they do it well. And uh, I have high hopes. So we'll see. Yeah, I think you're exactly right that it's much easier to take especially some of the kind of memorable sequences. And because you have a longer runtime, you have more of an opportunity to really use those and play off of those. Um, and, um, you know, uh, use that as the basis to uh, create something really special. Yeah, we'll have to do a follow-up in the future that, uh, you know, touches on the best video game adaptations into TV shows. But uh, let's jump into uh, the upcoming Gamescom uh, show that's going to be happening. Technically, we're recording this on Monday night. The Gamescom is happening tomorrow night. There's supposed to be a lot of stuff there. Um, supposed to have uh, some game information about the Outlast Trials, Gotham Knights, High on Life, Honkai Star Rail, Hogwarts Legacy, the Callisto Protocol, The Expanse, Dying Light 2, Sonic Frontiers, Return to Monkey Island, and Goat Simulator 3. So, uh, Brian, I'm just curious, you know, is there anything coming out with Gamescom that you're looking forward to? Anything that you're uh, expecting? Or, you know, is it just another show that's going to have some interesting stuff, some not interesting stuff? And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. What do you think? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see if we get anything in terms of reveals that we aren't expecting. You know, if there's anything at that show that, uh, you know, that anyone's been holding back. Um. I also I love that Goat Simulator 3 is the sequel to Goat Simulator. <laughs> it's just fits right in with uh with what we've seen out of that so far. Reminds me How of Winamp you? back in the day. For, uh, for those of you that <laughs> yes. are old enough to remember Winamp, the MP3 player went from 1 to 2 to 3 to 5. And uh I think that was it, right? 1 2 to 5? 1 2 3 5? I don't know. But it's something you know, like that, yes. It's, it's almost as bad as Microsoft's naming schemes with you know, <laughs> Windows 3, Windows, what, Windows 3, Windows 95, 98, ME, 2000, somewhere in there we get 7 out of nowhere. Yep. Or you could look at the Ooh. Xbox naming scheme. Oh, Microsoft gosh. is famously bad at this, right? It's, it's 360, one. and then we're going to, Xbox One. Yeah, that's what everybody actually calls the first Xbox, so I guess we can't call well, it that anymore. And I saw a, a forum recently where somebody was angry because they had there was a game coming out for the Xbox Series X, but they misread it thinking that it would be available for the Xbox One X, which of course is last gen, and so they're mad that it's not available for their last gen console because it's a Series X only. Uh, how Classic. confusing. Classic so, Microsoft. Yeah, I think I agree with you on this one. I think it's, you know, we'll probably see a lot of updates on stuff that we're already expecting. Um, I don't actually expect to see much of anything new there. Um, but, you know, probably just maybe one or two things we weren't expecting, but nothing major. Uh, but we'll see. So, yeah, I'd be surprised if we saw like a major announcement. Um you know that that no one was expecting it's always fun when that happens uh but but hey at least we'll hopefully see some cool new footage and so on for games that people are really anticipating 
Speaking of things being announced that uh, we are expecting, they did announce that PlayStation VR 2 is going to arrive in early 2023. This comes to us from uh, an article on Kotaku. It says, PlayStation VR is going to arrive in early 2023. They have announced out of nowhere that their next-gen console is going to arrive early 23. Announcement came via PlayStation's global social media accounts, including PlayStation. Uh, this is Australia, but uh, yeah, so... For everybody looking forward to the next generation of PlayStation VR, uh, that is coming up next year, which, as my wife reminded me recently, next year is just four months away. So for everybody that is uh, feeling like 23 is too far off, it's just around the corner. So what do you think? Are you going to... You don't have a PlayStation, right? You're not. You're probably not very excited about the PlayStation VR 2. I am an Xbox guy. Um... We do have a, uh, a Quest 2 in the house for VR. Um, I, I think this is great, though. Uh, it would, it's, you know, VR is kind of this uh, nascent, uh, you know, fertile field, I think, that exists in games. Um, and I think it has, there's a lot left uh, to happen in that space. Um, and I think the, probably the most exciting things in VR are probably things that don't exist yet. Um, so it'll be cool to see, you know, what developers are able to do with this new, you know, this latest tech. Um, and I don't know in terms of what PlayStation has planned for the VR2, if there's going to be any, you know, hardware or software features that are going to be, uh, you know, kind of groundbreaking. But it'll be I'll be curious to see if, if that sort of thing happens. Yeah, I know we've heard that the PlayStation VR 2 is going to have a 2000 by 2040 resolution per eye. Uh, it's going to have an OLED screen that refreshes at 90 or 120 hertz. Uh, the thing I think is biggest about it is their field of view is 110 degrees, uh, which is pretty wide compared to what we've seen in VR headsets in the past. Uh, but, you know, I think the OLED to me is the most exciting thing, the OLED HDR, um, you know, where... Right now, I think the biggest thing holding the Oculus back or the Quest or the Meta, depending on what you call it, is that it's not an OLED screen. Uh, so you don't have that depth and that richness. Uh, and I think the field of view is a major thing holding VR back there. That being said, the PlayStation VR 2 being next gen and being very exciting is still tethered. You still actually have to plug a, a physical cable into your physical PlayStation. And so I think for that reason, I still am just blown away by the, the MetaQuest 2 and what it can do, considering that it's completely wireless, completely standalone. I can take it on an airplane and I could technically play VR in the middle of the, the airport terminal with no tethering, no extra devices required. So, um, but I think you're right. I absolutely agree that PlayStation and VR together is an amazing combo and VR in general to me is just amazing to see what is at the very forefront of what's possible that you know if this is the first generation of modern VR imagine the fifth generation I mean it's going to be you know just pull on some snowboard goggles and suddenly you're feel like you're snowboarding so it's amazing to see yeah. the iterations of things over time absolutely you know, one, I think one of the things that VR really sorely needs is uh, sort of mainstream adoption. And so, you know, if, the, if this VR2 headset for PlayStation can take off and, and help launch that, I, I think that'd be great for, you know, the VR industry in general. And, and again, towards uh, giving us some of those experiences that, that are going to be awesome and don't exist yet and can't exist on, you know, kind of existing architecture existing uh, hardware 
So, you know, sort of the the sort of 2D, 3D experience in terms of in, in, instead of, you know, really living it in VR where you're looking around and able to experience 3D in an all new way. Yeah. So speaking of uh, things that are coming out that are uh, the next generation of things, you've got an announcement about a next generation of something coming out. I do. And I think. Yeah, we were talking about. Uh, the McLaren launching a production car based on a video game car. Um, this is the Solus GT based on a car that they debuted in Gran Turismo Sport for the PlayStation 4 back in 2017. So they actually went ahead and built a real-world version of this car, which is, in a way, totally insane, like making a digital thing now a reality, even if this isn't like going to be a fully production car. The fact that they built a working concept is totally crazy. Well, and I have to wonder, you know, I'm assuming that there's enough that goes into designing a digital car that, you know, if you're going to take that digital model and make it a real car, hopefully it's somewhat aerodynamic, right? Hopefully it's somewhere in the vein of, of realistic, uh, you know, car design principles. Um, but it does beg the question of like, you know, is good digital car design uh, good physical car design? Uh, and to me, it begs the question of how pop culture influences our real world stuff. I mean, could you see other video game cars that go from being video game cars to being production cars or, uh, you know, go from being a toy to being a real thing? Uh, you know, I remember the first time that I saw at the L.A. Auto Show, they had a real live transforming car that was like 40 feet tall. And so watching that, even though I wasn't that into Transformers, you know, going from Transformers, the TV show and the and the toys to seeing a real life concept was like, holy cow, you know, it's. It's amazing. Um, the other thing that it makes me think about is, you know, the, the way that pop culture influences our real life uh, and especially in the vein of cars that we have the announcement today that the DeLorean Alpha 5 uh, has been revealed. Uh, this came out a couple days ago. And of course, the DeLorean, a vehicle that by and large was not a popular car <laughs> when it came out. It was actually a pretty poorly reviewed and poorly rated car and yet because of its beloved nature in the back to the future series uh, it kind of has a cultural place in our hearts to the point that they were able to actually revive the delorean motor company and now bring us a new electric car so brian what do you think about the uh, the new delorean or the concept of uh, digital and pop media bringing us physical world things yeah it's it's you know, I think part of it, too, is, is you know, this transition to electric cars has really opened things up in terms of the possibility of some crazy ideas getting launched. Um, and so I think maybe something where this concept maybe would have been much harder to pull off uh, a few years ago. But now with the specific place that we're in with electric cars, uh, it feels like that time that we're going to see some companies really take some crazy chances that may or may not work out. Uh, I think it would be awesome if the DeLorean was a huge success. You know, this electric version of the DeLorean, I think it looks really cool. Um, 
But, uh, you know, I, I, the other aspect of it is this, you know, sort of digital to real, uh, you know, thing that we're seeing more of. And I think that trend is going to continue. I really do. Um, part of it, I think, is the fidelity that we're seeing in games and other media uh, in terms of the models and so on. Uh, you have to build them to such a realistic degree that, you know, maybe it's it's easier at that point to launch a real product from such a complete model. Um, you know, also simulating physics and so on, um, you know, especially in, you know, obviously we're, we're looking at cars as the example, and that's a great place uh, in terms of the realism and the uh, amount of simulation that we're doing in modern games. Uh, I think it's safe to say that most of the cars that they would build digitally that don't really exist would probably be workable vehicles in the real world. Like, you know, if you put an engine in it, and make a real vehicle that matches the specs. It's it's probably going to perform pretty close to, you know, the car in the game. Yeah, and I, I think the analogy here, too, um, that I find interesting, and I'd love to, you know, maybe we'll have another segment and tease this out a little bit more. Uh, I know you and I are kind of pushed for time recording right now, but uh, I'd love to tease out a little bit more the concept of world building and the concept of, of creating something out of nothing. And, you know, how we do that in the church, even, you know, you go from like, uh, I think about Paul in the early church and, you know, really was like this gathering of people. And eventually it became a you know, letter writing campaign between Paul and this, these early gatherings and how those things that were really just, you know, analogous to, to digital communication, right? I mean, it was just somebody talking about something, putting it down in a Google Doc. And yet those things built real physical churches all over the place. So uh, maybe we'll tease that out again in another future segment. But for now, uh, Brian, I just want to say thank you for coming on. Thank you for joining me on the Crossfire podcast. And uh, it was a pleasure having you. Any last words for our audience? Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to fill Russ's shoes, obviously pretty hard to do that uh i know you and russ have a great rapport uh and you're pretty practiced at this so i did my best hopefully it was fun for anybody who's tuning in thanks for having me david yeah thank you brian and uh, as always god bless everybody and we'll catch you online <laughs>